welcome back to the Writer's Advice podcast, everyone. Hope you're having the most magnificent day, night, wherever you are listening to this. I have another fabulous interview for you that I cannot wait for you to listen to. There is so much wisdom in this and I know that you are going to absolutely love it. So I'm not going to take up too much of your time. I want to dive straight into it. But first, I want to thank Booksprout for sponsoring this podcast. Booksprout is your go-to review service if you are a writer and an author and you want to get those really important advanced reviews for your new fabulous work that you are bringing into the world that I highly recommend um, sussing out Booksprout to really help find your readers and your initial community right there. If you are a reader, you can also join and read thousands and thousands of books that are up there before they've even been released. Um, Download them straight to your Kindle and simply leave a review once you are done. So thank you, Booksprout. Now, if you absolutely love this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could click follow with whatever app that you're listening in, subscribe so that you get episodes to um, whatever app, whatever favorite listening app that you love to listen to um, straight to your, delivered straight to your app each week. Um, And it also really helps the podcast as well. Or if you could leave a five-star review, tell us what you loved about it. You can also send me a direct message now if you're using the Spotify platform, which is great because I love your feedback. I love your questions. Um, Or share it on your stories. Make sure that you tag me at Olivia Hillier Author. Send me a DM. Tell me everything that you took away from this episode and most importantly, enjoy it. Enjoy your day and anything that you are creating right now. All right. I'm going to get straight into this episode. Thanks, guys. Love you. Writer's Advice is a point of connection, a dose of inspiration, and an insight into the creative process of the babes behind the books. I'm your host, Olivia Hillier. Each week, I'll be interviewing authors from around the globe on their creative process and how they got to where they are today and what it's really like inside the industry of publishing. So listen in, take notes, and I hope you walk away inspired, ready to take on the next level of your writing wherever you are in your journey. Welcome back to the Writer's Advice Podcast, everyone. Now, I am excited because today I am joined by Nalini Singh. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know that there's so many people listening who are literally like, oh, my God, she's my favorite author and is very, very excited to listen to this because I have had you requested it a couple of times. So thank you so much for joining me. Ah, thank you for inviting me. It's it's really nice to be here. And, um, yeah, let's talk writing. Yes, yes. Now, I'm so excited to dive into your whole journey because you have so many books underneath your belt and and also so many, like you can call yourself a New York Times bestseller, which is amazing. You've been um, mentioned in Oprah Magazine many times, but I want to go all the way back to the start and be like, okay, so when did this write, when did writing start for you? And when was the moment where you were like, oh yeah, I think I'm a writer. Like, I think I want to do this. <laughs> uh, I started very young and um I was always a huge reader, like I think a lot of writers are. And at some point in my teenage years, I just started trying to write stories that I couldn't find that I wanted to read. And I literally hand wrote them. So my dad used to get, you know, those big diaries that they give at like businesses and stuff. And so, but he never used his big one. So he would just give it to me. And I would, so I have these handwritten in pencil, 
these stories in these diaries. I still have them. And then I would sit in the kitchen while my mom was cooking and read her my my stories. And um, yeah, just it was just something that I wanted to do for myself. And then after a while, I started making my friends read my stories. And um, they were like, oh, you know, they gave me, they were really nice actually for teenagers, you know, they gave me some good like um, encouragement and stuff. But um, I think it was when I was 18, I really got it into my head that I was going to write a whole book. And and I did. Um, it was, yeah, I think it was in, in between, you know, like when you finish high school, but you haven't started uni yet. So yeah. there's quite a big gap in there, like three, three or four months. And um, so I, I was working part time, but the rest of the time I just, I wrote this book and I thought it was genius. I thought it was absolute genius because I was a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I actually submitted it. I sent it to a publisher and it was very quickly rejected, but I, <laughs> I was not to be daunted because I'd already started writing my second book by this point. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, because, you know, it takes, you know, this was when everything was, you know, print and post. And so it took months to hear yeah. back. So by that time, you know, I'm already, and yeah, I just kept going. I just was like, this is what I want to do. But actually being a writer as a full-time profession was not something I really considered for a long time because I didn't know any writers. Mm. I, that was, that was like the people with names on books that did this in some other reality, <laughs> um, especially I think in New Zealand. And, yeah. and I feel like it would be the same in Australia if I'd been growing up there at that time. It's, it's not really a profession you hear about, you know, maybe more yeah. now because of social media and, you know, podcasts and things like that. But back then it was much more isolated. So the only writers I heard about were, you know, like children's book writers or people like that. Yeah. 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 And, and like even being in New Zealand, like I grew up in Tasmania. And so it's like this, very, you feel very like extra isolated yeah. from yeah. those areas. So you're like, oh, this is a little bit like, I don't want to say pipe dream, but it can feel like that. at, the, yes, at those absolutely. Times. Yeah, 100%. yeah. When was the moment then? When were you like, okay, maybe this is something I can do. Was something just picked up, but you just kept writing? Like you were just doing it for fun? I, I I really, really wanted to be published, even if I couldn't do it full time. I thought, yeah. well, this is what I want to do as my, like my hobby or my my creative outlet, um, because I still didn't think you could do it as a full time writer. And then I joined the Romance Writers of New Zealand. I was still at uni, and I saw this article um, in our just our local paper saying that there was going to be this conference, and I was like, oh, what is this thing? I must go, you know, and. Um, and I had no money, so my my mum paid for me to go for my birthday, oh. and um, it it changed my life really because I met working writers, like people who made a living as writers in New Zealand, and I'd never heard of these people because, you know, mostly most of the time the media focuses on the literary people, people winning awards and stuff, not the people who are just you know, making a living as a writer and, and doing what they love. So, um, yeah, so at that point I was like, wow, you can actually do this as a job. <laughs> so I sort of, that became in my head like a goal, like to, to do it as a job. And and I want to mention this because I think it's a trap a lot of writers fall into is I instinctively did something which I think was very good, which was my goal was something that was achievable by me so my goal was to make a living as a writer it wasn't to be a bestseller 
or to, you know, to end up in Oprah magazine kind of thing. It was, I need to make just enough money that I can make my living as a writer, which is something in your control, you know, because you can, you can write a lot, you can submit a lot, you can, and now that people are indie, you know, you can do indie publishing a lot, like these kind of things. So, um, yeah, so I just, um, and back then there was no indie publishing. So this is my 20th anniversary year of my first publication. So this is how long ago it was. <laughs> so my only option was to get published with a publisher. So I just kept writing and submitting, writing and submitting, writing and submitting. And I was, um, so I trained as a lawyer and I was in my second year basically of working as a lawyer. I sold my first book and I was so happy and I also thought this is the point where I make a decision like I could keep being a lawyer and writing or I could take a risk and take some time off because I thought I'm still really young as a lawyer so it's not like I've got 10 years of experience and I walk away and it's going to be hard to get a job at the same level. I was so junior, it's like, okay, well, I'll go away for two years. I'll still be junior <laughs> if I have to come back, you know. Um, and, um, and I thought I would really regret it if I, if I didn't. So I, and the other thing is law is the kind of job it really uses a lot of your brain power. So then coming home to write at the end of the day is actually really, really draining. It's hard. Yeah. And so I made the call to, um, yeah, I, I left law. And I, um, I always say I ran away to Japan. <laughs> so I worked teaching English over there. And then wow. I was in this little town. And it was just a job that I could, like, I loved it. And I put my time into it. But it was something I could do. But that still left me with the energy to, to write mm. at the end of the day. And also I was traveling, you know, I was doing my OE because I had gone straight from uni to um, work. So I hadn't actually traveled as well. So I was traveling and then I lived in the middle of nowhere for a reason which was there was no nothing to do yeah <laughs> so all I did was write and went for bicycle rides and through the rice fields and um that was fantastic yeah so yeah I just I kind of gave myself that time to really try and make it um to get some sort of career going and um yeah I won't say it was easy like I was still getting rejected mm -hmm. and um and I actually wrote my breakup book in kind of a rage because I just kept getting rejected by my publisher at the time. And I thought, you know what? They're going to reject me anyway. I'm just going to write this thing that I want to write that's really weird. And I don't know who I'm going to sell it to. So I just, I wrote it. I was obsessed with it. And um, that was Slave to Sensation, the first side changing book. And wow. um, and then I went looking for an agent. So <laughs> rage is good, you know, use it yeah. to create. <laughs> so many good parts to what you just said and it's like it's the balance of everything right I feel like you know it's like taking that risk but also I love how you said those things that are in control because you had that moment that was like expanding for you where it's like actually you know there are people around me doing this but then it's like I think too when you like if there's many writers listening to this right now you know you sit and you look at oh, okay cool I've got a the goals become the New York Times bestseller list or things like that. And it's like, actually, how about I just focus on that? Hey, let's just make this an income. I love how you said that. And no one said that on this podcast before. And that's, um, 
it's beautiful because that's a goal to be able to write for anyone if they to have more time to be able to do it right so which is which is so amazing but at the same time I love it when I hear these stories from authors (laughs) how you said rage is good it's usually it's that moment of like you know what I'm just gonna put everything into this and see what happens and it's kind of I I love that so much so that was kind of where it really took off for you then hey yeah yeah so that um so that book sold at auction which is like yeah yeah so I didn't know that was a thing (laughs) so I um I ended up you know getting an agent and um and I did that all online you know my agent is in Los Angeles and um I actually didn't meet her for years (laughs) until Uh after you know she sold my book so um yeah and then um she submitted it to um, specific editors at specific houses that she knew was were looking for that kind of book and um you know more than one editor offered for it so it went to auction and then I just slept with my giant brick of a cell phone on one ear and the landline on the other ear because it was a different time zone um yeah and that was really when I got an advance that I thought okay there's a possibility of actually not having to go back to law it wasn't enough for um like to quit completely because I'm quite um conservative as well financially I wanted to because I know it's stressful to create if you're worrying about paying your rent or your mortgage or you know whatever so I I basically saved all my writing income and I would pick up other jobs so Mm -hmm. I did I worked in libraries for a long time and I loved it it was such a cool job for a writer and um I'm still friends with the colleagues I met there and um yeah and and it it was it was part-time so I was in full-time so I could I was still writing um because I also had to produce books I wanted to produce books because I was writing a series and with a series you know you've got momentum and I wanted to keep that going so um yeah again it was like a conscious decision to keep the part-time work so that I I wasn't stressed like I had a steady source of money um while I was building up my career and when I actually stopped working in the libraries, because I did really actually enjoy it, um, was when it actually became too difficult to do both because I was at a point in my career where I was contracted for enough books um, that, you know, to produce them, I couldn't really keep doing the part-time job as well. So, yeah, it took, you know, I would say it took a good, I'm trying to actually think of the years. I can't remember. Oh, my gosh, it's been so long ago. But, you know, it took us from my first sale to when I actually went properly full time. It's it's a number of years. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's a steady sort of progression. And just building up enough of a backup, you know, financially is really important. So you're not scrabbling. Um, so you've got that in the background if something, you know, doesn't quite pan out. Um, yeah. A hundred percent. And I feel like the way you're explaining everything, I feel like you've done the perfect balance of that because you it's the same time, right? It's like, you know, you could, it's either like time or money that you've got to like be careful yeah. of, of, of what you, where you're spending. And when you're thinking about like creativity, having any extra stress in your life, it's going to start to block that, um, yeah. you know, that, that tap that's coming through. So I, <laughs> I love how you said that of like, you know what I mean? Just like it's finding the balance between what, what can work for you. So you do have that particular time to to work it all out, which I absolutely love. Yeah, yeah I think it, it's the same for a lot of creatives. And funnily enough, at the time I was working at the library, I worked with two artists 
who were, you know, they were putting stuff in exhibitions, but they still worked to, you know, have a steady income. And then I also worked with a rock musician who oh, was wow. like creating music. And um, so all these creatives, you know, they were still doing their creative work, but it was really nice to have like a steady, um, you know, just, just a basic source of pay, you know, like a base source of pay that you could rely on while you got the career sort of going to where you thought, okay, because it is, it is, because writing income is not like a salary, right? It's, it's, it fluctuates and it, you know, it comes in lump sums and things like that. So it's, it's never guaranteed. And mm -hmm. so you need to get to a point where you feel, like I said, I'm quite conservative. And so I had to feel really happy inside to see, okay, I can actually take this risk now. I can full on dive yeah. into this. Yeah. Yeah, but what an awesome, like, job, too, to be able to be around other people who are doing the same yes. things. It's like going to work every day being like, yeah, we're in this together. Like, <laughs> It was such a cool team, I have to say. It was just a fantastic team. Yeah. yeah. Really, yeah. really fun, fun colleagues. And, yeah, made, and, you know, being around books all day was, was good fun. <laughs> even, yeah, even better. Like, it's like expanding your mind all the time. And I do want to ask you another thing. So with that, because you've spoke, like, a hundred percent you've got to like organize your life so you can financially be able to do it as well did you just set yourself an amount of time per day that you're gonna like were you coming home to write were you doing it in the morning what was kind of like your routine went back back then um I basically honestly I was obsessive <laughs> so anytime <laughs> I wasn't working I wrote yeah and um because I love writing yeah I, I, I'm more balanced now because I think for a long-term career eventually you have to do learn how to take a break but you know I was quite young mm. and I was um, I was single and I was like this is what I want to do so um my nickname was hermit with my <laughs> friends for a, for a long time <laughs> but they're still my friends so yeah that's, oh, that's good you know, that's very understanding but um yeah like so I basically did I, I wrote anytime I wasn't working basically to try and get as much writing done as possible um, yeah 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 and uh, like exactly how you said like it's like well that's what I loved at the time I mean even though it can seem obsessive to people it's like but no this is what I wanted to do you know yeah. what I mean? this is what I chose to do with my time so I this I absolutely love for it. me in the weekend you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry guys I'm off riding I can't join you this weekend but like that's what's got you here today and it's what you've loved and you know you've absolutely you know the journey from there has been amazing I'm I'm curious did you always know that you were, were gonna like write in a romance genre because you've got some thrillers under your belt as well like when you were writing those stories younger and like saying them to your mom were they kind of had a romance element did you always kind of have that that flair to you or it progressed over time um, so I think, so I grew up reading science fiction and fantasy. Yeah. And then as I got older into my teen years, you know, I found romance and, um, I just really liked the combination of it all. Yeah. So my first ones were still like the speculative fiction, but with a romantic thread kind of thing. And then, um, I got really into romance and I started writing romances, but even though I was published originally in short category contemporary romance yeah but at the whole time I was still actually writing the paranormal and the urban fantasy and the science fiction I just wasn't published in that yeah. until slave to sensation so I've always had the love 
of those genres. And the funny thing with the thrillers is a lot of my books have some kind of a mystery element in it. Yeah. Um, it's just I got to a point where I felt like I could write, like I wanted to write just without any romance. So that was really interesting because it's um, it's retraining the brain because it's the rhythms of a thriller that has no romantic element. So it's not a romantic thriller. It's just a straight-up thriller are very different to a romance you know the the beats are different and so it was it was it was actually a challenge I set myself to to see if I could do it because I had the idea and um at this stage in my career you know I can sell on spec right I can sell on an idea or, or like a chapter but I didn't actually tell anyone about the first mystery thriller I just wrote the whole thing because I wanted to know if I could do it the yeah. way I wanted to do it and I'm really glad I did for another reason, which is that when you do have an established name, which some, you know a lot of your readers or your listeners will have, people expect things. So if I had said I'm going to write a mystery, most likely people would have said a romantic suspense. Yeah. Whereas I wrote this whole thing and then I submitted it and it was what it was. You know, it wasn't a romantic suspense. It was this thriller set in a remote area of New Zealand. So I think that that can be a good way to do it too if you're doing something very different from what you're known for. A hundred percent. I love that. And no one like forced you to, because like it's all under your name, right? Which I love as well. I love it when authors like, no, I'm not taking a pen name. I'm putting it all underneath this. And this is, you know, you get to see both these sides that have come out of me, which I absolutely love. Like you didn't have any pressure. It was kind of like, yeah, let's, let's put this out. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, um, we never really discussed that. It was just, um, I think, um, the real issue comes up if you're doing something so completely different that it's just, like all my work is for adults. So yeah. I think if you're doing young adult and adult, maybe that's like a place you have to think about. Um, it is a risk because you do get, you know, you will get an initial wave of reviews um, from readers who are unhappy because it is not what they're expecting mm. from you. But I, from my side, I did everything I could to telegraph what it was. So I wasn't trying to fool anyone. Yeah. You know, and... Um, and then eventually it does settle down because the people realize, okay, this is a thriller release and this is, you know, a romance release. So um, maybe that's not for me or, but, you know, a lot of my fans um, did follow me into thrillers or they, um, they tell people they know read thrillers about it, which is also really, really nice. And I really appreciate it. So yeah, it's, you know, I've, I've got my third one coming out. So I haven't been doing that genre very long, but um, it's, been a really fun ride and something very different yeah yeah absolutely and so your new one is out actually very soon so it's out in November is that November yeah yeah yeah. do you want to give us a little bit of a synopsis about what people can expect with that (laughs) yeah yeah so this is um it's effectively a locked room mystery so it's this group of friends yeah they they go for a weekend it's like a reunion weekend they all uh, have been friends since high school um and now they're adults and they've scattered, you know, sort of around the world in different places. And then so they come together for this weekend in this kind of ruined Gothic type mansion in um, New, New Zealand's sort of Alpine region in the South Island. Super remote. Um, they're sort of cut off by the stream and like gravel road. And then, you know, there's a storm. And so they're, they're basically trapped 
in this place and and then things start going wrong <laughs> in strange ways and it's all somehow connected to the death of one of the group because the title of the book is there should have been eight and um oh. so one of them is missing from the original group so then we you know it's about the past and what happened and what happened to that eighth wow. member and, yeah. it's a little bit creepy as well so it is very much a thriller I think like my first one it's probably had more of a mystery vibe I feel like this one definitely has the sort of <laughs> thriller sort of yeah <laughs> I yeah, yeah. I, lo- I love that so yeah I'm that excites me straight away I'm like oh my god I need to read this but you also said some really great things and it's a- about um like the environment and the world that you're creating it sounds like a lot of them are based around New Zealand which is such a beautiful area and I feel like there's actually a lot more I've spoken to a couple of writers recently who are moving there and I feel like they're getting a lot of inspiration from like you know the beautiful green open spaces and do you find like you you build is that where a lot of your ideas come from the environment that you're in where do you find your ideas kind of sprout for you so it's a bit different for my um my thrillers than my paranormal romances and urban fantasies because the thrillers are all based in New Zealand yeah. So they're very influenced by the environment. Like the ideas, a lot of them are sparked by the, the places because yeah. it's like they're so remote and so beautiful. And then your brain starts going, how can I make a terrible murder happen in this place? <laughs> Actually, you know. Yeah. But it's just, it's just, there's just this intensity to the environment. It's, um, it's, it's like um, the books that are set in the Australian outback, you know, it's mm-hmm. that same kind of sort of loneliness of place um and it really inspires that thriller kind of vibe um with my um paranormal romances it tends to be more what if questions so it's like well what if archangels rule the world but they weren't like you know it wasn't like godly archangels they just were like a different species and what if there were vampires as well or what if we were truly telepaths, but it drove us insane, that amount of power in our head? So what would we do to survive? So that's where the speculative fiction stuff comes from. It's like I just sit there and think of these weird what-if questions and then I I write um, to, to explore the idea. Yeah. I love that so much. And did you always know that it was going to be a series? Because like, it keeps continuing. Is it is it still continuing? <laughs> Yes, yeah. Oh my god. So, I have a problem. I have a problem with it. <laughs> so, um with the side changeling series, so that was my very, very first series. I knew, I knew it was a series, but if you if anyone wants to try the books, you'll see that the first two books are actually quite self-contained. Like if I had to stop at that point, you would have been okay, you know, as a reader um like you wouldn't have cursed me for sort of leaving you hanging whereas in the third book it really opens out into the expansion of the world and the politics and all that and that's because you know um again this is print publishing and I had a two book contract initially so I didn't know if I could stretch out and then um you know my editor was amazing she she after I wrote I think the first one had come out but not the second she contracted me for two more so that that was when I knew that I could really stretch out the idea I had in my head. So, um, yeah, I always knew that the potential 
for a series was there that the story I actually wanted to tell was a series story. Um, but it's like, do I get to tell it? So um, I did, and I'm still here telling it to this day. <laughs> and, um, so I, I'm naturally inclined to write series. I, yeah. I really like building connections. Mm. So not just the romantic connection, but I like friendship groups, family groups, found family, you know, all of that. Um, I, I love this interconnectedness of the world. And I think that's one of the reasons my Side Changing series has has lasted this long is because it's it's not isolated stories. It's it's very networked. Yeah. And um and so it's like this whole living world, which you know I see in my head. Um and the Guild Hunter series is small is the same in the sense of those connections and the bonds, but it has a smaller core cast, so I've always kept it smaller because the story I'm telling is different. But the funny thing is, so when I started writing thrillers, I told everyone I'm not writing series. I am writing standalones because my brain has not got the capacity to have another series in it. So after I wrote my first one, people were like, oh, we're going to see these characters again. I was like, no, no, you will not see them again. <laughs> You're not. um so yeah that that's been interesting too to to literally not make myself write series it's actually a conscious choice um which has been yeah it's 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 been another learning curve for me but it's been good but in a way it's a freedom right because it's like every filler is completely different yeah different ways with different people yeah and I love that because that means you get to play around with all the different elements too. Like it's not only the genre change, it's like, okay, I'm only here for this book. So this story gets <laughs> yeah. to be told now. Your character, my characters are, you know, I'm going to say goodbye to you guys later. <laughs> I, I'm so, I really want to know in a side channeling series, is there moments like, are you kind of like, is it, how planned are you? Like, is it very planned out or are you kind of like, you write something and then it's kind of like, oh, okay, cool. I could actually add a whole other part in here like how does that kind of how does it kind of work for you a plan or you kind of just it kind of comes through so I'm kind of in between what I need is a my plan is that I need to know the ending yeah okay so I need to know the ending to where so wherever I'm taking the readers I need to know and for the side changing series that's the overarching plot line and I find that if I so there's always a question asked in a series right and so you have to know the answer to the question. And I find my brain just keeps me on track because I know the point at which I've decided we're heading towards, right? I know the answer to the question that I've posed to readers. I know the whatever I've set up, I know where it's going. And so my I'm I don't go off on tangents much because yeah. I'm pulling myself back saying, okay, that is not where we're heading. So need to get back on the path kind of thing. So each book itself generally um, is that in microcosm. So I, I have a beginning yeah, and I I know kind of where I'm heading. Like I know where I want us to end up at this point. And then I just go. I don't really plan the actual books. Yeah. So I just, I do still write my manic first draft, which is just me telling the story to myself. Yeah. Um, and I call that like my skeleton draft. It's it's very rough. It's literally it's literally me figuring out the characters, figuring out the story. And then yeah, so I'm the kind of writer who does um, multiple full drafts. So I'm not refining stuff in each chapter and moving on. I write full drafts and then I refine full drafts. So 
you know, some books are seven drafts, some books are five, but it's what, it's what works for me. So I keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely love that. And I also, I feel like the way you explain that, it's like deep trust in your creativity or the journey. Cause it's like, okay, no, I know it. I see it. And it's like, this is where it's got to go. And, and like, yeah, pulling it in around that, which I absolutely love. Now you have given us so much good advice and I can't wait to share this episode with everyone, but I do always ask the last question at the end, which is if there, if you do have any other um, words of wisdom or advice that you would pass on to a writer who is, I don't know, maybe they're in a manuscript right now, maybe they're a little bit way through their journey and wanting to go to the next level. What would you, what's kind of like your, your core advice that you would pass on or some that you've also been given along your journey? I would say, you know, trust your voice as a writer and trust the story you want to tell because I think it's particularly important in the current world where we're so used to being online and so used to looking for feedback for what we're working on. And I think that can actually be damaging when you're developing a story, particularly if you're new or you're not as confident in your voice because if you expose your work to all these other voices, they can take over it's not your voice anymore. And I think one of the most important things for my career was that I wrote in isolation for a long time, like nobody was giving me feedback. And by the time I got there, where I was getting feedback, I knew who I was as a writer. And so I could actually utilize the feedback in a way that enhanced my story. So I would say, don't be too eager to share your story before you're confident enough that you know what your story is and who you are as a writer. Um, And I'm not saying people are malicious at all when they give feedback. Absolutely not, you know. Uh, Most people are really nice, but some people just have stronger voices than yours. If you're not, you know, if you're not at a place where you can sort of stand firm, like, no, actually, I I really, really like this part of my book and I'm not going to change it because somebody else said oh maybe that's not a good idea because obviously as a writer you do have to work with editors and and people like that which and you should you know it's a professional thing to to be able to flex and bend and Mm -hmm. and and learn but you have to get to the point where like I said you know your voice um, because it is your name on the book so yeah just give yourself that space to write just and share only after you're at a point where you're confident like that okay whatever comes you know I can handle it because mm. it's the same as when you publish um you know some people are going to love your work some people are going to hate your work some people are like why is this book even published um but um and that's just part of being a writer but um if you know if you are happy with what you're putting out um then then, you know, this is my place, you know, and I just have to find my readers. So, yeah, so I guess my comes back to the core, which is trust your voice, you know, trust your voice um, and give yourself that space to write in without other voices coming into it until you're at a point where you can actually handle the feedback. That is amazing advice and you're so right. We're in that world right now where it is like, oh, okay, cool, check this out, check this out. Am I doing okay? And it's like, actually, yeah, just let it be yours for a bit. It's exciting yeah. too to leave it like that. It's like, oh, I'm working yes. on this thing that no one knows about. You know what I mean? It's like it's your little secret. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
This is so great. Now, please let us uh, let everyone know where they can find you. Where's the best place to get in contact with you? Your books are available absolutely everywhere. And November is your new thriller, which I'm very excited about. So, yeah, is the best is the best people give you a follow on Instagram? Where's where's the best place to reach out? Um, so I have a website, nalinising.com, which has yep. a lot of material. You can poke around in there. I do actually have a page for writers where I try and link up any, you know, interviews, podcasts awesome. like this that I've done. Um, and yeah, and if you want to just poke around and see what I've done, you know, um, that's a good place. And then I am on Instagram at author Nalini Singh and Facebook, author Nalini Singh. Um, I used to be on Twitter, but I'm not anymore, sadly. <laughs> um but um, yeah, those are those are the best social media places to hook up with me. And if you if you do read my work and you'd like to stay up to date, then yeah, join the newsletter, which I um, I try to send out every month, once a month, with yeah, all kinds of goodies. So. Perfect, awesome. I'll make sure that all those are in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nalini. <laughs> Thank you for that. Oh.